The fireman is an illustration of how Jesus changes everything as we know it. And uh, it's, it's transformation. Or as the scriptures maybe say it better in our English translation, uh, recreation. It's what happens when Jesus enters the picture. And uh, I know that um, maybe some of you are, are new to Asheville. I know that when I uh, came here nine years ago and I, I began uh, meeting other people who are new to the city, every once in a while I'd run into folks who said that, yeah, I'm starting over. And, and there were even some people that would say, I've, well, I just kind of need to recreate myself. You know, people who maybe had a season in life where they started out and things didn't go so well, and they just needed to hit the restart button and, uh, or do over, you know, like when you're kids and you're playing a game and instead of getting in an argument about do we do, do who's right, who's wrong on the play, or instead you just say do over and it solved everything. And uh, that's what some people do when they come to this city. And one of the things that I would say to folks like that is, well, that, man, that's great. And this is a great place to do that. I, you know what? I just want to encourage you to think about inviting Jesus into that recreation. Because he is a master at it. He is a master at it. We've been talking about Jesus and the new beginning that he can bring. But uh, we've been talking in, in the light of a new way of living, a new pattern of living. And that new pattern of living, uh, we're calling rhythms. And uh, we've, we're identifying four rhythms, not that they are the only ones, but four that we can identify in the Gospels. And the uh, first one that we talked about was the table. Uh, Jesus would come around the table with people, and it, it was an invitation to friendship, to share a meal with people. And it's something that everybody does in every culture around the world. What happens when we invite Jesus into our moments around the table? Great things can happen. Uh, there's another rhythm that's not so natural as eating or the table or sharing a meal. It's, it's, we call it communitas. It's people taking risk together to bless others. And that's not so natural, but we, we saw in the scriptures that Jesus gave his disciples chance after chance after chance to learn this rhythm, and he was very patient with them, and he still trusted them and gave them opportunities to go out in his name and to be those people that risk to bless others. And then uh, last week, we talked a little bit about celebration. And with celebration, uh, it's a rhythm. Again, there's birthdays, there's anniversaries, there's uh, holidays. And again, it's a natural rhythm in our world. But again, what will happen when we bring Jesus into it? I think as Christ followers, we need to be really great at celebration. We need to figure that out. Because especially uh, if heaven is a celebration, I, I think it's a rehearsal for heaven and what we'll be doing there. There's going to be a lot of celebration in heaven, so we need to get ready for it. The fourth one today is recreation. And I think, uh, again, uh, you know, Benny was here a few weeks ago and he talked about this idea that uh, Jesus having three roles, uh, the, a priestly role, a kingly role, and a prophetic role, and uh, because he was king, priest, prophet. And a lot of times in the church we focus solely on priests, and, and understandably, Jesus was the sacrifice. He wasn't just the priest. He gave himself up, and he is the sacrifice that uh, cleanses us and makes us uh, right before God. Uh, it's his righteousness imparted to us. It's not our own self-righteousness, and that's a big deal. And, uh, and I think we, we 
major on that because we live in a world where people have to earn everything and and uh, we live in a world with so much shame and guilt and so it's, it is a major message of the church and we don't want to ignore that ever but I, I think we don't want to ignore also his kingly role and his prophetic role and Jesus just didn't die on the cross to take away our sins but he rose from the grave to conquer death and he has resurrection life to give to his people. Resurrection life within, by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and so we need to understand that we've not just been saved from something, but saved for something. And Jesus has begun something new in us. And I believe it's this word, recreation. I want uh, the, kind of the main text today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. A short passage but I want to include some other passages in 2 Corinthians because there is this theme throughout it of uh, something new, a new beginning, a recreation. Listen to these uh, passages, starting with 2 Corinthians 3.16. But whenever an- anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is spirit and then 2 Corinthians 4 verses 7 and 11 but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us for we who are alive and are always being given over to death for Jesus sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 17. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Are you hearing it? Are you hearing the theme of recreation? When a person turns to Jesus Christ as Lord and rests in Him, rests in His grace, there is a genesis in their life. Theologians call it a regeneration. But you know, genesis is beginning, the beginning of life. And it's a new creation beginning within us. The old is gone, and outwardly, we're still wasting away. But what does the Scripture say? Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day, daily. And there is a treasure, a transforming power placed within us, weak jars of clay. And it's clearly not from us, showing that it's from the Spirit of the Lord. And we are set free because the Spirit of the Lord has taken up permanent residence in us. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Recreation. This is recreation, and it begins with us. Unveiled, transformed, receiving and reflecting glory, all-surpassing power, life revealed, renewed daily Old gone, new has come. This is recreation 
And it starts when we turn to Christ, when we turn to the Lord, when we turn away from our self-sufficiency and turn to the Lord for His help, His mercy, His grace. We believe His Word, His promise to us in Jesus Christ, and we become born again from an imperishable seed, 1 Peter talks about. Recreation is resting in Jesus and what He has done for us. It is the beginning of God's one-way love towards you. Believe, and then everything changes. Some of you, you still don't believe me. So what really changes? What really changes for us? Here's what the Scriptures say. Here's what the truth says. Here's what happens to us. The moment that we turn to the Lord Jesus, when the moment when we rest on His grace and not on our self-sufficiency, here's what happens. When we believe His Word, His promise to us in Jesus Christ, we become born again, recreated from imperishable seed. Recreation is resting in Jesus. It's the beginning of God's one-way love, and, in the, and, and everything changes. The veil is removed. We were blind, but now we see. Once we were enemies of God, but then we become children of God. We were once orphans, but then we are adopted into a new family as God's children. We were once without people and with no country. Then we become citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We become new creatures. We once stood condemned, but now we have our names recorded in the book of life in heaven. All we had before was death in front of us, but now we face a future and we possess eternal life. Once we had no defense, we, we stood condemned, but now there is no con- condemnation for us because Jesus stands with us, stands in our place. He is the great advocate Jesus Christ is defending us. We once had no value, but now we have the greatest value placed on us. We've been redeemed. Once we were unforgiven, now we are forgiven. We are recreated. Everything has changed. Everything is different. This is what is in us. This Power from Christ, resurrection power. And it's here for us in Jesus Christ if we want it. If we want it. Do we want that kind of recreation? Do we want that kind of power within us? Do we want that treasure? Do we want that light? Do we want that change? Do we want to be renewed daily? Do we want those things? When we say yes, then what do we do with all that? What do we do with all that that Jesus has poured into us? What do you, how do you respond to that? How do you respond to this recreation, the receiving of God's one-way love? Well, one thing I think most of you are aware of is that when you receive this one-way love and you're recreated, you can't contain it. You can't keep it in. It can't stay bottled up. you got to let it out. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you can't put a cap on that freedom either. you got to let it go. And that goes in that freedom that's been put in you, the freedom that you've gained, it goes wherever you go. You take that freedom with you if the Spirit resides within you. In the recreation of our lives, we also become these jars of clay, conduits. You know what a conduit is? 
some, a lot of times like a pipe or something that something is flowing through. The word that the scriptures use is vessels through which this treasure is displayed. We are priests through whom one-way love is showered. We are ambassadors whom the message of reconciliation and recreation is proclaimed. One-way love keeps going. It doesn't stop once it hits you. It doesn't land on you, but it keeps moving through you. You are a conduit. You are a vessel. And like it changes you, it brings change around you. Look at Jesus and how he lived out this rhythm of recreation. There's several moments in the Gospels when we see Jesus' teaching. And, and then as he's teaching, there's uh, two accounts where uh, parents start bringing their children to Jesus. You know, Jesus is just pouring out on the people. There's good things happening. He's blessing. He's healing. He's driving out demons. He's preaching good news. And parents are like, I want to get close to that. I want my children to have this. I want a hope for them. I want future for them. And they bring their children to him. And the disciples, what do they do? saying no 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 get them kids away from the master i mean we're doing important business here children aren't important they're a nuisance is what they thought and they had this view they held this view that children were a nuisance and they weren't part of what was important they tried to limit where jesus was pouring out to stop the flow of his blessing coming from him. And Jesus was going to have none of that. Jesus said, shut up, disciples. Let the children come to me because I do have something to pour out on them. I do have blessing to give to them. And he said, and he told his disciples more than once, look, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, these little children. And in fact, If you don't become like one of these children, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus challenged the attitude of his day towards children because they were a picture of who receives the kingdom. Jesus recreated and gave a new perspective on children. You know, we still need that today. You know, we kind of do a pendulum in our country. A lot of times we swing from one way. To, to the other side. Used to be, you know, children are to be seen, not heard, and now we swung clear to the other side where we, we cater everything to children, and yet at the same time, we want to keep children children. We don't want them to grow up. You know, there's, I, I think in, in the government, you know, children are still children until they're 26. You can stay on your parents' insurance until you're 26. And yet you, they'll send you to war at 18. You know, we got mixed views about it, about growing up in this country. And we got young people who haven't been raised by their parents. And they have to be re-raised by the church. We got young people who aren't allowed to participate in the church and be given opportunities for leadership. And so we don't have the faith being passed on, that baton of faith passed on to children. So we got to do things differently. We got to change things. We got to recreate the way we do church. It's one of the reasons we do what we do here at Highland, is because we got to pass this baton of faith and leadership to the next generation. If not, there'll be a death. There'll be a death with the church. You know, I don't know if you know this, but uh, 
there's about 13 students, young people, that really keep this place running. They, they clean the toilets, they vacuum the carpets, they take out the trash, they take care of things around here throughout the week as this building is used. Young people, not older people, they're, they're running this place. I, I think we need to raise the bar on what we expect of young people. We need to raise the bar and know that they are smarter than we think. Some of these little ones, they can take a lot more challenge, a lot more instruction, a lot more intake, and we can give them a lot more opportunities to express themselves. You know, there's, there's this whole expression, uh, uh, was it uh, impression without expression leads to depression? And we got a lot of young people that have walked away from the church, not because they didn't, some, not, sometimes not because they didn't get any input, but because they didn't get a chance to express their faith. And we need to allow that in this place. We need to challenge it. We need to facilitate and make room for them. There's the rhythm of recreation. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is the rhythm of recreation. You know, there was also another viewpoint of Jesus' day that was challenged by Him. There was a system of thinking about women and about Samaritans, foreigners, people who weren't the insiders, And Jesus tackles both of them at one time uh, while he was traveling through Samaria. And John 4 records it where he stops at a village and he's thirsty and he leans up against this well in the middle of the day and a woman comes by and usually the women didn't come in the middle of the day to get their water. Uh, Usually they came in the mornings and the evenings in the cool of the day. Uh, But this woman came usually when uh, there weren't other people around probably because she was embarrassed and had shame about her life. And we learn more about this as Jesus talks with her and asks her questions. We find out that she's shunned by most of her Samaritan peers because of her many husbands. But Jesus' interaction with this woman and this foreigner leads to a whole village putting their faith in him. His disciples come back and their first question is, you know, why are you talking with a woman? First of all, a woman. And then the second thing was, what are you doing interacting with a Samaritan? I mean, and you took water from her, you know, like a, like a drinking cup. And that's like a no-no because we got these whole rules about cleanness and when you're unclean and, and you don't use utensils used by Gentiles, the outsiders, the foreigners. And so Jesus just blew that apart and he just created this whole new way of thinking, this whole new perspective. And he said, look, and his disciples asked him, what, what's going on here? are you hungry? We brought some food. And Jesus says, all right, I had my food. My food is doing the will of God. And he began looking at the villagers as they were coming out to the well, coming out to meet this man that the woman was saying, come meet this man who knows everything about me. I think he is the Messiah, the one who's prophesied to come. And they come out to him and Jesus is going, this is my food, doing God's will, welcoming these outsiders into the kingdom of God. And I know that there are some perspectives that are being challenged in our country. And we, we've got to think of what is the way that Jesus would look at these issues. Especially in the church, we need to rethink how we look at women in the church. Sometimes it seems like the women are bearing all the burden of the work in the church. Division of labor and things like that are the causes for it. But we've got to figure out, how do we do that, men? Or do we really want to lead? Do we really want to be leaders? 
And how do we honor those women who do give themselves fully to the church, who are available and give themselves fully to the work of the church? We need to rethink these things. We need to think about how we look towards the outsider, those who uh, maybe have no clue about the ways of God, those who weren't brought up in the church because those who have not been brought up in the church now outnumber us in this country. We live in an unchurched world. It's our culture now. And we need to know how do we approach, how do we interact, how do we be the hands and feet of Jesus here. This is the rhythm of recreation. It's a new way of thinking. Jesus will help us in this recreating. You know, there was a whole system of position, rank, and attitude towards those who served and those who were served in Jesus' day. And Jesus challenged that too. And he came and he recreated a whole new way of thinking. Jesus came uh, and, and, he, and it was the night before his betrayal. Now, of course, he said many things about this before the night of his betrayal. You know, Mark 10, 45, Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. He, on the night he was betrayed, sat his disciples down and uh, they forgot to make some arrangements uh, for a servant to wash feet. It's the lowest job on the totem pole. Nobody wanted to do it. And none of the disciples wanted to do it. And they were bugging each other. And in fact, they got into an argument right then and there about who was the greatest. Why did they get into an argument about who was the greatest? Because, well, the least needs to do the washing of the feet. That was the attitude. That was the thought of the day. And what does Jesus do? Takes off his outer garments, wraps a towel around him, gets a basin of water. He begins washing his disciples' feet. Comes to Peter. Peter's like, you shouldn't do this. You're, you're master. You're the Lord. And Jesus said, you need, I need to do this for you. And Peter didn't quite get it. But then afterwards, Jesus explained himself very explicitly explained himself and he said that because he was lord and teacher and he did this that he served he said now i want you to do the same i did this as an example for you and i want you to serve this is a new way of thinking it's breaking out of a system breaking out a system in people's minds. You know, we our church supports a missionary in India. His name is uh, Sunil Sadar. And one of the things, one of the challenges to the gospel and sharing the gospel there is the caste system. The caste system is legally outlawed, but it's still practice. It's still in the mindset of people. And, and so there is this thing of people of darker skin color, uh, a certain uh, social status, so certain economic status, you're low down on the totem pole. But if you have lighter skin color, you have more wealth, so you have a certain different status position, you're thought of as higher. And it blocks the gospel because you know what? The gospel has gone to a lot of the higher caste in India, but then not to the lower caste or the outcast. And uh, Sunil Sadar, what he's doing, and in fact, this is what one of our mission trips uh, in November 2015, you'll be doing if you go, is you'll go and you'll share a meal with people of lower caste or outcast, and there'll be people from the upper caste there with you. And but because uh, m- most of you who will be going will be fair skinned or lighter skinned, or because you're an American, when you wash the feet of those lower caste people during a, and, and share a meal with them, 
You are blowing people's minds. You are busting out the caste system. And they are seeing the gospel in a new way. That Jesus cares for these people. That Jesus has compassion. This splagna, this gut-wrenching feeling for these people. Sometimes things need to be recreated. Things need to change so that the gospel can be carried out. This is the rhythm of recreation. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, after Jesus' first miracle, turning water to wine, he went to the temple in Jerusalem. And there in the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, doves, and others uh, at tables exchanging money. And it was a racket. It was a racket to exploit out-of-towners. And uh, because a lot of people had to travel a long distance to Jerusalem, instead of, you know, Jesus said, in giving a tithe, give your best to God. He said, uh, you know, I want the firstborn of your cattle, of your sheep. I want the, the best. I don't want the worst. I don't want the maimed or the lame animals. And so the uh, people would bring their best, but people had to travel a far distance to the temple. What they would do is they would uh, sell their best. They would take their best uh, cattle, best sheep, and that tithe, and then they would sell it and take it, convert it to cash. And then when they would go to Jerusalem, they would go and buy what they needed uh, just for, because of traveling was difficult. And so uh, what was happening in these temples is that these merchants would set up and they would sell inferior cattle, sheep, and animals. And so people were going expecting, hey, I want to give my best to God and you're charging this for this inferior animal? And they were cheating people. And then the money changers. Sometimes people, there were Jews who were coming from outside of Israel, that different currency, they would come in and then they would charge this exorbitant exchange rate, and they were getting ripped off. And this was going on right in the temple where God was desiring true worshipers in spirit and truth, and they were coming in spirit and truth, but here were these people not doing things in truth or by spirit. And Jesus, what did he do? Found some cords, wove them together, and he began driving out these money changers, these guys who were selling stuff, Start turning over tables. And what did he say? He said, you're turning this place into a market, into a, a den of robbers and thieves. And instead, my father wants this to be a house of prayer. That's what it was intended for. And Jesus changed things. He changed things from what they were to what they should be. Jesus brought freedom back to this place of worship where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, the rhythm of recreation. Now, I'm not saying that as new creations in Christ, you know, God pours all this into us when we rest in Him. He pours it all in. I'm not saying that once that's all poured in, our immediate response is, well, I'm going to go find a cause. You know what? You don't need to find a cause because it will show up right in front of you. You don't have to look far. You don't have to go and search. God will bring it right to your doorstep. He'll bring it right in front of your pathway. You know what? You don't need to go looking. You know, there's simple things that are written right in the Bible where recreation needs to happen. The Bible says true religion, true faith. Think of a widow. Think of an orphan. Someone who has a a disability. You know, uh, the Bible is very literal about helping people like that. But we can also view it figuratively because there are many people 
today living as widows and orphans, not by death of a father, but because a husband and a father abandoned them. We got some single moms. They're living the lives of widows, and they need some help from the church, from us. We got some young kids who don't have dads or don't have a mom, and they need someone to step in. You know, sometimes we have people who uh, they weren't raised or didn't have people raising them, didn't have parents around. We have those who aren't maybe physically disabled, but they've been disabled in a way socially, emotionally, spiritually because of the hardships and difficulties in their family or lack of family or because of someone's, not because of their own sin, but because of someone's sin against them. They've been hurt. Their hearts have been damaged. Their minds have been damaged. Do we care? Do we ever think this isn't the way it should be? And do we ever imagine maybe what it could be for those people? Do we ever imagine and go, this is the way it could be for them? What would happen if we need to reimagine and God needs to do some renewing of our minds and he says he'll do that, Romans 12, they'll renew our minds. But I think when we say minds, I think also we just need to say, Lord, give me imagination for your kingdom. Give me imagination for you and what you desire and what you long to see. You know, uh, the band can come on up now, but if we're, we're truly recipients of one-way love, it changes things for us, and it goes beyond just us. Because this one-way love, this freedom that comes from the Spirit of the Lord, it goes with us wherever we go. We've gone from dark to light, from empty to full, from death to life, from enemy to friend, from lost to found. And when a genesis has occurred in us, new life spills out wherever we go. We see things with new eyes. We see what could be. The rhythm of recreation is pulsing within us because the spirit of the living God dwells within us. The one who delivered new life, Genesis, recreation to us is in us. Recreation is happening within you. And if Christ is in you and if you let it, it won't be long till recreation is visible in your life. It's inevitable. If you let, if you rest in Jesus, if you let him in, recreation is within you. And so transformation is inevitable. It will happen in you and it will happen around you. Become aware of it. Watch for it in your own life. Watch for where the Spirit of the Lord wants to bring recreation. And again, with recreation, you don't need to go look for a cause for action Actually, you can actually just stop, start by stopping. Just stop. Stop doing everything. Try pausing. Push the pause button and just rest. I mean, really rest. I'm not, I'm not just talking about a figurative spiritual resting in Jesus. I'm saying rest from your labor. <clears throat> rest from your work. There's this thing called the Sabbath where recreation can begin in you. 
And when we do that, when we do what Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God, there's a chance to turn. There's a, you know, this whole thing called repent, it, it means to change your mind, to turn, to do a 180. You can't do a 180 when you're going full speed this direction. I, I, I've tried it with my dog. When I'm playing fetch with him, he, on, on, the, on the hardwood floors, he can't turn around. He's skidding. And, and it's like, you've got to come to a stop and then you can turn around. You can change your mind. And this is the kind of thing that needs to happen where God can begin working in us as we rest in His grace. We stop. We let Him minister to us. We let Him begin His recreation in us. And that's when it begins overflowing in our lives. simply starts with turning and resting in Jesus. I know another thing that, that gets this going, and it's when we pray. Prayer is like a womb. It's a womb where, where there's God's vision, what He wants to come to be. And when we pray, it's like His vision in a womb, and then something is birthed, created, born again. Resting. Stopping, praying. It's why we've been praying together. And, and I, want, I want to challenge you all to focus your prayers in a new way. I want to challenge you to focus your prayers in a new way in the next coming weeks. Um, and it's joining together with others in our region and joining together with others in our city. And uh, I can just get you guys to pass these out. But um, it's beginning to pray for um, people that you know. I mean, this is getting specific. It's getting down to nuts and bolts. You know, where, where, where do, you, do you see some people where, around you, maybe some friends, some coworkers, some neighbors, where you go, looks like things could be better for them, or, or maybe it looks like they could use some recreation in their life. I don't know if they know Jesus or not. Um, looks like they could use a friend. Maybe it's just simply observing some things about some people around you that you haven't noticed before. But maybe, maybe there's some people around you that you know that don't. You wonder if they know Christ, if they've met Him, if they've heard about Him and what He can do for us. And, and so here's a chance. Uh, in the next few weeks, let's, uh, let's pray for them. Just write down their names. Get specific. Be literal. Don't pray in general about those people out there. Pray for the neighbor. Pray for the guy that gives you a haircut. Pray for the school teacher. Pray for your friend at class. Write down their name and begin praying. I, I believe that you'll start seeing some answers. I believe God will start giving you some opportunities, some conversations that weren't maybe present before. The opportunities weren't present before. But I believe God will give those opportunities to you. So I'd I like us to refocus our prayers in the next uh, few weeks. And uh, we'll be hearing more about this as we start into our new series about heaven. And again, the focus that uh, Billy Graham and his message will be on November 7th. Uh, it'll be broadcast to the nation. So, uh, but right now, um, I just want you all to stand with me. And I want to pray. And then we're going to finish with our, and conclude with our worship today.
Father, creator, maker of all things. Lord, we know that, that you, you made things, you made us in, our, in your image, and yet there was sin that has marred that image, and we need to be recreated. Lord, most of us here have invited you in, and Lord, we, we beckon, we, we say yes to that recreation in our lives. Renew us day by day. Let the new life come. Let the old go. And Lord, we don't want it to stop there. Let us be your conduits. Let us be your vessels. That recreation, that, that your one-way love flows through us, around us, and out of us. And let change not just happen within, but let it happen without. Lord, we know it's inevitable when we rest in you. Help us to do that. Help us to rest. Teach us how to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.